that's why he were around here, is treated like a god. I mean, how can he ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Well, first of all, let's be real friendly here, okay? My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. Look, mister, there's two kinds of dumb. A guy that gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon, and a guy who does the same thing in my living room. first one don't matter, the second one you're kind of forced to deal with. Translate. That's some sort of threat. I don't know why Cletus drug your tired old bones in here. He must have owed you something fierce. Fact is, mister, you start screwing up this team, I'll personally hide strap your ass to a pine rail and send you up the Mona online. Leave the ball, will you, George? Happy Labor Day, and welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Um, today is a special show. Um, when I was in high school, uh, the first week of December 1985, our athletic director came out. I went to Broderpool High School, and our athletic director came to the basketball team and said, Hey, um, you know we're playing Chatard tonight, and we're playing at Chatard, but uh, they're filming a movie. And I said, uh, Coach Ring, what movie are they filming? He said, it's going to be called Hoosiers. And they, they can't get enough people into Hinkle Fieldhouse. And uh, they want the Chatard and Broderpool game to be played over there. And, and he said, uh, would you guys be against that? Let's go ahead and do a team vote. There was a team vote. All hands went up. And one thing led to another. We were actually the, um, the opposing team in the movie Hoosiers, the South Bend Central, I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the game. And in a halftime, they filmed the championship game of Hoosiers <coughs> while we were downstairs in the locker room there at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So it's kind of a six degrees of separation. I had no idea in 1985 when they were filming this that this movie was going to be what it was. And, of course, uh, my freshman year at Indiana State University, I came home one weekend and watched the, the premiere there in Indianapolis. And, and I mean, I, it's just been something special ever since. And, and the really cool thing today is that we have one of the actors in that movie uh, and also son of a, an Indiana basketball legend, Gary Long, who played for the Shelbyville Golden Bears and also for the Indiana University Hurrian Hoosiers, Gary Long. Um, and Brad Long played Buddy Walker, who is the team captain of the Hickory Huskers. And it, it is so nice of him to join us today. Brad, thank you so much. I know it's Labor Day. I know it's a holiday, but thank you for taking some time with us to chat about the movie Hoosiers, your upbringing, uh, and Indiana high school basketball. We appreciate it. Bill, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Brad, at what age did you get uh, uh, introduced to the game of basketball? And at the same time, at what age did you realize what your dad was to Hoosier Hysteria? Yeah, you know, my early memories uh, when growing up, I mean, I can remember as, as early as I could actually walk. I mean, we had a little goal for me to shoot on in the backyard. Uh, my dad put it up on a little tree. It was probably maybe all two feet tall. And I can remember shooting on that goal. And then, you know, it's a great question. I mean, I don't know that I was really cognizant of my dad and his um, exploits until, you know, I got a little bit older 
be six, seven, eight years old, I knew it was a pretty big deal that he had played for IU. And of course, IU basketball was, uh, you know, very big at that time and still is. And so, uh, you know, my my introduction to basketball was an early, early age. Was there a team that you followed, or did you did you have a favorite pro team? Did you have a favorite player? Did you have a favorite college team? You know, probably. I mean, my favorite college team would have had to have been IU, just because you know, even at that time, Dad was still active in the Imans Association. You know, he went to the ball games even after he graduated, and so I can remember, you know, early on going even to the old field house. I I remember as a young boy. I say young boy. I would have been maybe. Oh, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range, uh, George McGinnis playing in the field house. That was before they built Assembly Hall. That's probably some of my early memories, and, of course, that was before he uh, left early to go to the Pacers. And then, um, you know, the Pacers were a team that I followed, obviously, because my, my dad did a lot of curtain raiser games. Um, after he graduated college, he played a lot of independent ball and sort of what you might call semi-pro ball today, and, and they would have curtain raisers. They would bring in really good teams um, you know, independent uh, teams that, that were former college players that would play kickoff games before the Pacer games in the old Coliseum. And I remember as a young boy walking in there and seeing Ned Lucky walking by with a hot dog, you know, right, right before the game. And then I sit up in the stands and watch Dad play. And then the Pacers would, uh, you know, play like the Utah Stars, whoever it was that particular night, the Kentucky Colonels. So I'd say probably IU and the Pacers were my two teams at that time. So did you play a lot of basketball as a youngster, and, and when was your first organized basketball as a youngster? Yeah, I did. I grew up in Greenwood, and we had a, a you know kind of a Greenwood uh, bitty ball league. I, I mean, I remember when I was probably early as six years old, it was organized basketball. They had the eight-foot goals over to Little Elementary School in Greenwood, and then you graduated up to the nine-foot goals and uh, through the system. And, and Dad coached me. <clears throat> Sometimes he was my coach, and Sometimes he stepped aside and, and, and uh, was a spectator, and I think it was good to get, have both. You know, he got to be able to spectate sometimes and not have to worry about the coaching, but then he would also coach it at various times, you know, in my upbringing. So I really had, you know, the best of both worlds. But, I mean, probably six years old was my first organized basketball that I really can remember. Was basketball your favorite sport? I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think you ran a little cross country. And uh, did you like baseball? Did you play any football? Well, I was one of those kids, just like during those days, uh, you know, in the mid-70s, you did everything. I mean, I played football, basketball, and baseball all the way up through junior high and really enjoyed all, all three sports and uh, then got into high school and sort of started to uh, uh, concentrate really on, on the ones I thought I might be better at. And I loved football and I loved baseball, but I, I just, you know, was better at basketball, those three, and, and uh, found out I wasn't a bad runner. I, I was run with the basketball team conditioning and the cross country coach happened to see me and took me aside and said, you know, I think you might, you know, enjoy running. And I just didn't at the time think I would be interested in that at all. But that was went into my sophomore year. He talked me into going out and, uh, and all these years later, as I look back, it was, that's some of my fondest memories were, were cross country. And of course, part of the reason that helped, I think was we, we had really teams we were real successful in in cross country so ended up being a cross country track and, and basketball guy through high school but basketball was probably my favorite sport definitely uh with living in greenwood where did you uh, attend high school well i grew up in greenwood's uh school system and went there up through eighth grade and then we moved over to the center grove district uh going into my high school year so i kind of got to have you know two uh loyalties growing up i mean i was a greenwood woodman you know, up in my eighth grade years, everything was green and gold. And then when I moved to Center Grove, 
you know, I became a, a, a full-blooded Trojan, and uh, you know, those were my high school years. And we had some good teams over at Center Grove, good rivalry with Greenwood. A lot, I still a lot of my friends at Greenwood, so there was that friendly rivalry going on. But uh, yeah, I was a Center Grove graduate uh, in '81. You know, was there any pressure as a high school basketball player or going into um, uh, into Center Grove to play basketball? Was there any pressure, or how did you handle that if you had any being, you know, uh, with your dad's name and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, I, I really don't remember there being any pressure. I mean, I knew there were big shoes to fill. I mean, I, I knew about his uh, exploits and everything that he had accomplished. And I suppose in the back of your mind, you know, you – you, you would. Uh, I had the dream of you know being an IU basketball player, but none of the th- uh, three boys, me and my two brothers, quite got my dad's quickness. I think that was the main difference. Uh, he had that Division One quickness, and I and I found that out when I went to college. I played down at a school in Kansas, and we played big schools. We played Oklahoma and Texas and Brigham Young and. I remember when we played those guys, I had to back up about another half step on defense. So it was it was really, you know, I felt like I could shoot, I could dribble. And, you know, I had a couple bigger offers, you know, mid-major schools, but I, I wouldn't have gone there and been a star. I was, you know, really just kind of a, a good, maybe above-average high school player and had a decent co- college career, but it's because I went to a smaller school where I could play. So, yeah, we, you know, there was, I, I suppose in the back of your mind you wanted to be able to do the things your dad did, but he was really good about it. He never put any pressure on us. There was never, never felt any of that. He, we were each our own person, and, and uh, that's the way I, I remember he and mom parenting us. And, I, I've, you know, it was, it was a great childhood growing up. What kind of squads did your, uh, did your Center Grove team have? Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about your Hoosier hysteria. I mean, were you guys halfway decent? What sectional were you guys in? Did you guys ever get out of the sectional? Yeah, my sophomore year of the of the four years, I, I was fortunate to get to play some as a freshman. We um, I got got moved up, and so I really got to play four years. And of my four, uh, the sophomore year was the year we win sectional. I went down to the Columbus Regional and got knocked off by Blair Keel and the boys uh, from Columbus East. So that was the only sectional win that probably the most did that. So that was a high point. Probably one of the low points was the next year, my junior year. We really had probably the best team of my four years there. We ended up with a 16-7 and seven record, but we were upset in the sectional. Uh, you know, who's your hysteria? Go, you know, it, it is what it is. On any given night, anything can happen, and that's exactly what did happen. Indian Creek knocked us off. Uh, we had beaten them twice already on the season and went on to the regional. And it turns out the teams in the regional, we had beaten all of them. So that's kind of our sob story. We look back and think, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda that junior year we probably had our best team and didn't get out of the sectional but that's indiana basketball for you you know uh, you know who's your hysteria you know uh, you, you being in the movie hoosiers and they winning it all but winning a sectional championship means quite a lot to anybody who played indiana high school basketball would you agree with that oh absolutely i you know i'm i'm one of those guys i i know there's two sides to every story and i I understand about class basketball. I'm just not a fan of it. I know Bobby Plump would would uh, agree with me. Uh, he's a real proponent of this, and and I'm and I'm on his side. When it, if you put a gun to my head, I I wish we'd go back. I, I miss the old days of uh, every team having a chance to win it. You know what I tell people is is life isn't fair. You know you think about Monrovia. I'll pick on Monrovia. Monrovia probably is probably one of the bigger maybe 2A or 3A schools. They're one of the bigger ones in their division. I'm 
this is all kind of just an example here. I'm not sure that's the case, but I know one time I think they were. So there's a lot of pressure on Monrovia to win the state in, in that division. You know, they're one of the bigger enrollments. So, you know, as opposed to if everybody's out for it, everybody has a chance. And I will tell you, you can interview some of the Oak Hill high school players. Their state championship was those years they knocked off Marion in the sectional. And they'll still talk about it. So, you know, I, I remember there a kid played in for Indiana State. I think he played for Batesville. Mike Mincer, I think, was his name. And I remember he was interviewed after they got knocked out in the Newcastle Regional. This is just before class basketball. And they said, Mike, isn't it a shame? You know, if, if you'd have been able to play two, three more years, you would have been under class basketball and probably would have had a chance to win the state with your team when in, you know, in class divisions. And i never forget, he said, you know, he said, I would rather have gone out this way than than win what he called a diluted state championship so you know everybody's got an opinion i understand why they did it i just my my head understands why they went to it but my heart misses the old days i miss the old uh david versus goliath everybody has a chance to win the state and one team wins it brad when did you get on the uh recruiting radar and uh what were some of your first um uh, offers to play basketball or uh, cross country or any other sport while at Center Grove? Well, my senior year, I was sort of under the radar because I, I had a decent junior year, but uh, my senior year, I, I just had one of those years where everything fell into place. I, oh, I think I averaged 24 points a game over my last eight games. I just went on a real run there and, uh, you know, had pretty good stats with statistics or uh, with assists also. And so, you know, uh, University of Indianapolis, I mean, Rich Falk, who is the coach at Northwestern, actually, uh, I got a call from him, and he ended up going with another guy up from Marion. It was between he and I, but uh, but frankly, you know, Northwestern, you know, at that point, it Big Ten, sure, but I wouldn't have, I would have been probably sixth or seventh man. I think that was about my level of ability, mainly because of my quickness. You know, I wasn't slow, but I wasn't division one quick that i really think you have to have at that level there is there is another gear there and i saw it in college when i guarded um i remember guarding tim McAllister, who's indiana all-star from fort wayne and he played for oklahoma and he was my uh, sign and uh, yeah just another level of quickness having to stay back a little bit to keep him in front of me and of course that allows him to step back and shoot a jumper so um that's you know that's the main thing but i you know i had a good senior year so i got a few offers in there most of them were smaller schools and that's the route i went i really wanted to you know keep playing and uh, rather than go somewhere and just sit on the bench so that was a decision i made so where did where did you make your decision to play and tell us a little bit about your college career yeah <clears throat> the name of the school was southwestern college uh, in winfield kansas it's still going strong and people say well how did you end up there and the coach was from indiana mike sandifar he had coached uh, at Red Key in Indiana, New Washington. Uh, then he went to Averett in Virginia for a JUCO stint, and then he took the job at Southwestern. And he had come up under the Knight system. I think he worked a lot of the Bobby Knight camps. And uh, he just made a good sales pitch. And we had some other guys going there from Indiana. My roommate uh, was my running mate at guard, Paul Steele, who played for Scottsburg, really good player. And he had started out at Evansville uh, and then transferred. So, But we had um, the best of both worlds. It was a small program, much like a Hanover or Franklin College, but we got to do all the things the big boys did. I mean, our coach was just a uh, go-getter. I mean, we played, went to Alaska, went to Hawaii three years. We played Oklahoma, Texas, Brigham Young, Oklahoma City. You know, got to meet Abe Lemons. I mean, I look back on some of the things that we got to do and really never regretted it. And we were in a hotbed down there in Kansas. I mean, they have really good junior college and NAIA basketball, much like 
Indiana. So it was we had our own conference, and uh, I, I I don't regret anything in the in that move that I made to do that. Uh, so were you still at co- in college when this idea of the movie about Indiana high school basketball came along? No, it was when I returned. Um, I always tell the timeline when I still do some public speaking about that experience, and I say a lot happened that that 1985. I graduated from college in the spring. I came home, uh, signed with a, a company, Jobs, who I'm still presently with, class rings, announcements, caps and gowns, and so forth, and then uh, got the call. That there was an ad in the paper about you know looking for high school players to portray kind of the Milan team. You know, it's kind of a takeoff on the Milan story. And I didn't think much about it. I had a lot of my friends, you know, say, Brad, you know, you look young for your age. You ought to give it a shot. That's gone the other way now, by the way, Billy. <laughs> Those days are gone. But uh, I did at one time look young for my age. And uh, so one thing led to another, just kind of a cattle call, red script, tried out. I always tell people most sports movies, they look for actors and hope they can play basketball. This this movie, they looked for basketball players and hoped they could act. So it's kind of a different twist. But that's how I got involved. One thing led to another, and I kept making the cut. And, um, and, and you know, Angelo Pizzo, the writer of Hoosiers, turns out as a 10-year-old boy, he used to rebound basketballs for the IU basketball team. So he remembered my dad and, uh, and actually put him in the movie. So you talk about six degrees of separation. That was kind of a cool thing, too. Did you even have it in your mind, or did you even did you even think about what this was going to turn out to be? No, I mean, I always tell people, you know, to me, when we were filming, it, to me it was like a press conference, like we had in college. We would have media days, you know, where we would to start the season, we'd go through drills and practice, and the media would be there asking questions, and we'd come over and sit. And to me, that's what it was, uh, uh, very much like that. So, uh, you know, I had been through that, and I thought, well, it's just like a media day. We didn't really think of it in terms of a movie and a, a feature film and being on the big screen. And so I, I always tell people, you know, had the movie been about bowling or about ping pong, I might have been in trouble. <laughs> You know, I might have been out of my element, but because I had played college basketball, I was comfortable in that setting. And But at the time, we had no way of knowing how successful it would be. And, of course, ESPN and all these groups keep helping us out by ranking it very highly. But I give all the credit to the writer and director. I really feel like those guys, David Anspaugh and Angelo Pizzo, captured that time period. You know, they, they I have grown men that come up to me say, you know, we had those barbershop scenes. We had those caravans to the game. And, and so I know that those guys got it right. So I give them the credit. Your first couple of days on the set, were you nervous? Were you thinking, what the hell am I doing? What was that like? <laughs> what was that like? And how did you, how did you kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, put those to the side? Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. I mean, going into it, one of the things David Anspaugh said to all of was that the art of acting is not acting. You know, just be yourself. Uh, don't think too much about it. And and then the other thing, you couple that with the fact that they didn't give us too many lines. So, you know, they, you know, we wouldn't have too much to remember and too much to screw up, if you will. So, you know, it, it I never, I felt a little bit of pressure, but not really. I mean, they made, they didn't, they made you feel real comfortable. And, and of course, Gene and Barbara and Dennis and, and Sheb, they were all just, you know, uh, very, made you feel comfortable. I mean, I remember one time doing a scene with Gene Hackman, which actually didn't make it into final cut. It's the one where I get back on the team. I walk into a barn and we have about a five minute dialogue and I'm outside the barn kind of uh, closing my eyes, spinning around, thinking about my lines and somebody grabs me from behind and spins me around. It's Gene Hackman. And he looked at me and said, Brad, that was great. And, and you know, that came from Gene Hackman. And, uh, and you might know it didn't end up in the movie, but, uh, but nevertheless, that support from him and others, I mean, it just, they never really made you feel uncomfortable. You know, they kind of kept, kept you in a comfort zone. But, yeah, I can't lie. I mean, going into it, you're a little bit uh, 
nervous about, you know, am I, am I, am I capable of doing this? You know, how's this going to come off? But, um, I, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of waiting around. You know, a lot of people think it's all fun and glamour, but there's actually a lot of waiting around to get scenes set up. So it's, uh, it was interesting to get to see the behind the scenes, uh, making of a movie as well. You know, you worked with some royalty there with, you know, you mentioned Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey and Cheb. You know, what were those people like when you met them? And also, do you any funny stories from any of those? <laughs> I have so many, I, I'd be on here two hours. I won't do that to you. But let me, let me, give, you a, let me give you a couple. Well, first off, let me say about Gene Hackman. You know, what a pro. I mean, he, here's a guy that could have come in. He had quite a resume, you know, prior to Hoosiers. He could have come in and said, show me my spot, give me my lines, get out of my, and get out of my way. Instead, he came in and said, I want to go to some high school practices. I want to see what they do, what they say, how they act. You know, he was willing to learn, and that has always impressed me, uh, you know, that he wasn't so narcissistic. He just said, I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. He did not do that. And then, you know, Dennis was just one of the boys. We would throw the football around on set while we were waiting for the scenes. Knock. I know one day we knocked a camera over. And <laughs> we got kind of chastised, and, and Dennis was just like an 8-year-old boy, kind of sidling off to the side. I still remember that. You know, he was just one of us. And, and just, you know, all kinds of hijinks. You get a bunch of young men together. You know, I mean, I mean at the hotel we stayed at, a couple of the guys got BB guns. And we're, <laughs> I wasn't involved in this, I will tell you. But a couple of, a couple of the younger players, let's put it that way, won't name names got bb guns and we're having bb guns fights and so they had to put a stop to that you know it you get you get you know eight young guys in a setting like that you're going to have some hijinks so yeah we, we there's all kinds of stories and uh, i i miss that because we really have had a lot of fun and we still see each other later and recount recant a lot of stories uh, brad when was the first time you saw the first movie full run of the movie and what was i mean i would i would have to probably have uh, uh, nails in my feet to keep me up off the floor <laughs> but uh, what i mean how did you feel what did you, was it emotional seeing that and, and 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 tell us a little bit about that well they had a premiere showing where they had all the uh, kind of the media uh the cast it was kind of pre-public showing and that was the very first time i saw it all the way through and i'll tell you the interesting reaction that i had and and i and it, it didn't think much about it until after but and i'll tell you why but let me set it up my initial reaction was sort of a little bit of self-consciousness. You, you, you see yourself on screen and you think, you know, wow, I could have maybe said that differently or I could have made a different gesture there. And, and, and I never thought that that's a reaction that I would have, but I think part of what planted that in my mind was Gene Hackman had told us players in filming, during filming, that he never watches any of his movies, none of them. Wow. And we were shocked at that. We, we, you know, we asked him why. He said, because I don't want to see my double chin and receding hairline. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't think much about it at the time, but as I sat and watched the movie for the first time, when I'm watching myself thinking I could have done then it all kind of came back. I kind of see what he's talking about. It's sort of as if you just become self-conscious about maybe could I have done that scene differently or could I have done that better. But I will tell you, the second time I saw it, I enjoyed it more because a lot of the players shared, you know, felt the same way I did. And and one of the producers said, you just need to relax and enjoy it and separate yourself and quit being so, don't pick on yourself. And so we took that advice to heart. And the next time we watched it, we so really it wasn't until the second time I saw it that I actually could sit and enjoy it, if that makes sense. You, you know, Brad, the movie's out, the movie's done, it, 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 you know, it, it's becoming legend. Uh, did, did you have an idea that you wanted to be an actor? 
Well, not really. I mean, I, I knew my, uh, you know, I, I played Jacob Marley and Scrooge in the fifth grade. You know, that was my <laughs> acting resume. That's all I had done. And so I knew that, you know, I didn't really have any acting chops. I knew that I would probably have to go get some training. We just got lucky breaks and, and we're in our elements. So, you know, I think it came off okay with our lines. But I don't think any of the eight of us would have said really that we, you know, we are, we're actors. You know, we know what we're doing. There was one, I take that back, one of us. David Knight actually was an actor. He, he was the only one. The other seven of us were just nobodies from Indiana. But David uh, Nydorf had been in Bull Durham. Uh, he did Empire of the Sun. And get this, we're, we're filming Hoosiers, and we noticed he would take off every now and then. He'd be gone for a day or two, and he'd come <laughs> back. And, and finally we said, you know, David, where do you, where do you go? He said, well, he said, I'm in between shoots. We're, we're filming a movie right now over in the Philippines. And we said, really? He said, yeah, it's some kooky movie. I don't know if it's going to make it. We're in the mud a lot. And we said, well, what's the name of it? He said, Platoon. <laughs> <laughs> he had been filming Platoon during Hoosiers. And, of course, we all know what Platoon did. Uh, but, you know, it's just funny. You know, none of us really know. I mean, I myself, I had not really had any aspirations to go on. You know, maybe being 23, a little bit older, maybe a little more mature, than some of the younger guys, you know, knowing the the real, you know, the real, you know, realism of that. Would I be able to make it as an actor? So I didn't really catch what you might say the acting bug. I had still had my day job with Jostens, and you know, I did a few commercials and things like that after. But Hoosiers was really kind of a once in a lifetime thing, and uh, didn't really pursue it after that. You know, Brad, a lot of people would not think to ask this question, but since I'm the interviewer, I get to ask this question. And this, this Fire away. <laughs> this, yeah. que this question is something I just want to know. But, you know, the gentleman who plays your dad <laughs> in the movie Hoosiers, in my opinion, you know, you know him as the slime ball from uh, Major League. You know him from The Last right. Boy Scout. What? Because you just initially, in any movie that you see him in, you're like, oh, man, this guy's a, just a jerk. What was, yeah. <laughs> what was, he, what was he really like? The nicest guy in the world. Chelsea Ross is who you're talking about. And I, Chelsea Ross is one of the nicest men you will ever meet. He is a super guy. So it shows you how talented of an actor he is to portray a real horse's tail <laughs> in the movies he plays. Because he is not that way in real life. And humble, I, I tell you, Chelsea's a great guy. And, and I see him every now and then. We'll have reunions where um, you know he'll make it down from Chicago. He's based out of Chicago. And, uh, but he's been in so many things. He was in Untouchables. I mean, uh, he was in Bull Durham. Uh, he was the Dan Devine in Rudy. Mm -hmm. um, he is just one of those guys that is so talented, uh, and, and you know wouldn't wouldn't be a guy that you would recognize right away and say, "Oh, that's Chelsea Ross." But he's always a guy you say, "I know him." And then you look him up, and his re his resume of movies is just one. And uh, but that's funny. You talk about being, you know, being talented to be able to come off as sort of a villain on screen. Chelsea is not that way in real life. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, what was your was your dad really happy for? Uh, and did you enjoy having your dad be a part of the process also? Yeah, that was so cool. And that came about because, like I said, Angelo. I don't think they knew initially when I was trying out for the movie and made a lot of the cuts, you know, through, it got down to the very end where I was like one of the last 16, I think, and I think Angelo came to me and said, by any chance, is your dad Gary Long? And I said, yeah, it is, and that's when 
he, he just like a light bulb when I said, you're kidding. Then he told me the story of interviewing, or I'm sorry, rebounding basketballs for the IU team back in the old field house when he was a little boy. And then he, the, the, his next line was like, you know, would he be interested in being in the movie? I said, oh my gosh, I said, I'm sure he would. And so my dad was the Linton coach in the um, in the game where Ollie hits the underhand free throw. And uh, so, yeah, it's really cool to not only have been in a movie, but then to have been in a movie with my dad, I mean, which will, you know, forever you know be timeless that's that's kind of a, a really cool thing and of course dad and i sometimes get we go to a lot of the same events surrounding hoosiers and uh you know when they have cast members come back so yeah it's really a neat thing to get to do as a father and son now is most of that when you guys have reunions and get together is that through the hoosier gym or uh what do you guys do and how do you guys stay in touch today yeah, it's a combination of things. You've got the Hoosier Gym, which is very active. They've made it into kind of a mini museum. They're always having events. and In fact, they're having one coming up uh, September 16th and 17th, a really big event at the gym. They're going to have a banquet. Uh, I'm, I'm going to that. I know a lot of the players are going. They're trying to get Gene to come back for that. But they, the, if you go on the website, I think Hoosier's Gym, you can you can see all the activities that are they're going to have. They're going to have a parade and all that. So they do a lot. Then you've got the town of uh, New Richmond, which where we did all the exterior shots. Periodically, they'll have uh, get-together. They have had get-togethers there in the years, uh, past years. And then, you know, just a lot of times there's just civic groups that will want, you know, to have some of us come in and speak. And typically, the Indianapolis Museum of Art just had last winter, was it last winter, they had they showed the movie and had us players and the Milan guys come in and do a little promo thing. So, you know, it's it's just like it never ends. It's uh, it's a movie that wouldn't die. And usually it's five-year increments. They do reunion-type things, and this being the 30th year. Oh, and then the Pacers, almost forgot. I mean, the Pacers did the big Hickory campaign, as you probably noticed last year, wearing right. the Hickory jerseys. And I think they're going to follow through with that even into the fall this is technically the 30th year and they're talking about bringing the players out for a game uh, to do something there too so it's just one of those things that uh is continually you know uh, perpetual uh celebrations of it about every uh, every five years and this being the 30th year there'll be you know there's been a lot going on already and there'll be more to come in the fall and Brad, what was it like, you know, after the movie was out and everything? Did did uh, uh, you're out and about at the grocery store at the or at, you know <laughs> yeah. at, at the drugstore? Did did people go, oh hey, you're Buddy Walker? I I tell you what, I did get that for about the first five years or so, uh, mainly because I I didn't I had not changed a lot, but I've lost you know a lot of my hair on top. It's all gone <laughs> to my back. It's all gone to my back, Billy. Unfortunately, but uh, but so I you know I don't look quite the same. What I get now. Is, and this is no exaggeration, I'll be sitting having lunch somewhere, I'll notice someone out of the corner of my eye that will kind of sidle up, they'll sidle back, and then they'll sidle back up, tap me <laughs> on the shoulder and say, hey, was your son in Hoosiers? <laughs> so so how's that make you feel? <laughs> and so I just, I roll with it. I say, yeah, that was my boy. <laughs> but uh, no, I, no, I don't. I, I, kidding aside, I say, yeah, that was me. I say, I look a little different now. So I'm sure they're they're. Dead. Pointed, <laughs> but uh, that's what age does to you. I don't care anymore how I look; it's how I feel. <laughs> so I still work out and do things. <laughs> uh, Brad, don't don't be humble, Brad. When was the last time you saw the movie? Uh, all the way through, probably a couple years ago. I think that was when my son Landry, uh, who's a film major by the way at Taylor, 
uh, sat down and started watching it. And he said, you know, I had some questions. So I think that was a couple of years ago. What What's funny about it is, there, I tell you, I guarantee you that most people have seen it more than I have. Probably all the way through, I've probably seven to ten times. And and I know that sounds crazy, but it just I think after you initially see it a couple, three times, it's just not something I clamor to go watch. And maybe that self-conscious thing pops up. I, I don't know. But, uh, it, you know, all the way through. Now, it'll be on uh, quite a bit, and I'll catch a little snippet of it, but I usually don't sit and watch it all the way through. All the way through, it's probably been a couple of years ago. That was with, I think, my son Landry and my daughter Shelby. Uh, uh, both of your kids, where, are they both in school currently? Well, my daughter is, this is how old I am, Billy. She's 20, she just turned 26. She's expecting her first child. I'm going to be a grandpa in November. So um, we're real excited about that. She's been married a couple of years, uh, 26 years old, to my son-in-law, Tony. He's a great, great guy. And then my son, Landry, is our youngest. He's a sophomore at Taylor University in Indiana. He runs cross-country and track and is a film major up there. So, yeah, we're my, Lisa and I, my wife and I, are empty nesters now. We're, we're old enough to say that. They're they're both both out. So those those are our two, and they're all grown up. And as they were growing up, you know, when they were little, I don't really think they realized what I had done. They they just thought maybe their dad was in a cartoon. You know, would be a big deal. <laughs> but as they as they got older, they realized you know what you know that it was kind of a kind of a neat thing. You know, and and they 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 get it now. They know it was a real honor and a privilege for me to have been a part of that. Brad, do you do still do uh, speaking engagements? I do. Yeah, I, I have a website. It's bradlonghoosiers.com, uh, and I, I still do uh, quite a bit of public speaking uh, to civic groups, to business organizations, to church groups. You know, I, I do kind of a – I've got a uh, message about um, uh, I can do, and it's all on that website. explains it, but it's kind of positive – uh, self-esteem message, and of course, I talk about the background and making of the Hoosiers, and then how they relate to each other. So I've been real fortunate. God's blessed me through that, and I uh, have, uh, yeah, I still, still, when when they'll have me, uh, I'll get, I'll get a call and I'll go do an engagement. But yeah, if your listeners ever want to check it out, it's BradLongHoosiers.com. And you still work for Justin's also? I do. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, that keeps me hopping, and uh, still enjoy that. You know, it keeps you young too because you're around the kids in the high schools on a on a regular basis. If that doesn't keep you young, I don't know what, what will. Yeah, my class ring is is from Justin's from Broderpool High School. So yeah, great. Oh, company. there you go. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're I've I've been with them for thirty one years and we're mostly known for the Super Bowl World Series, NBA champ, NASCAR, Pro Bass, I mean, go down the list. We we do about eighty two percent of all the champ rings that are done in the world. And kids always still want to see a Michael Jordan ring or refrigerator Perry or Derek Jeter ring, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we show them. They get. I, I take the, the the latest one is the Red Sox ring. We just did the Broncos ring. We'll be taking around a Peyton ring here for too long so people can see it. So do you guys? You know, does the whole Long family do they do they get together and uh, do you guys have a a, a pretty good a, a really nice family life a social life with the the family? We do, yeah. We're we're all real close, and my folks just live uh, about ten minutes away. Uh, my middle brother Mike is about ten minutes the other direction, and then my younger brother Scott is in Florida, so he gives us an excuse to go down there and visit him in in Delray. So uh, you know, we Scott usually makes up here with his family a couple times a year, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, and then uh, you know we still see my folks on a regular basis because they're so close. So yeah, we're we're close family, and you know we still. Uh, do all a lot of the things we did growing up. Still go to a lot of ball games together, and uh, of course now my my parents are now great grandparents, so they're they're getting you know in the mode now watching the great grandkids involved with uh, their activities and sports. 
You know, how does this is another one of the interviewer questions that most people won't want to know, but I want to know. Um, sure. how, how does do you get residuals from the movie, or do you just get paid for doing the movie and that's it, or do you get anything from any of the uh, uh, of the um, you know the uh, t-shirts or anything else like that? Yeah, that's a great question. We really don't get anything from any of the Hickory stuff or the pro. That's all through. I think uh, actually, what I heard was on the Hickory stuff that went through the Simon Brothers. They bought rights from MGM. I think is how that worked out on that. But I do get residuals in the mail. But this is no exaggeration, Billy. I will get a check in the mail for three dollars and four cents. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's that much to send me in post to send me the envelope with the check. In. You know, and it shows you how how far down the total poll we are you know i certainly have to keep my day job so yeah we because of sag screen actors guild rules you still actually get a percentage even though it's a very 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 small percentage so yeah we we all of us guys we had to we couldn't live off our residuals that is that is for sure but it's still neat to get those checks from pasadena that you know kind of blows you away you know screen actors guild and it's got a it's got a little dollar amount on there so it helps pay the gas you know (laughs) <laughs> Brad, what kind of in your office? What memorabilia, or did, did you have any photos? Is there a favorite thing that you you took from the movie? Not took from the movie, but that you have from the movie, or do you? What's in your office that is associated with the movie Hoosiers? Yeah, that's really a great question because I'm sitting in my office right now as I'm talking to you, and I'm looking right in front of me is a hoops of Vindy. Um, picture which was real popular a few years ago it shows all different kinds of basketball goals uh, that, that were taken across the state uh, you can probably google it it's a pretty iconic photo i've seen them in other offices called hoops of indiana but the thing that makes it cool it the frame is an old barn barnwood frame uh, and i think my wife got that done through her, her grandfather who was a carpenter and on my other walls i spin around here um, my wife had put up our hoosiers poster uh, which I see that. But other than that, it's all really family stuff. It's not just inundated with Hoosier stuff. It's kind of subtle, but, but uh, the, the Hoosiers pieces are there, you know, to remind me kind of of uh, that you know, that time in my life. And second part of your question, really, I did keep some memorabilia from the movie. I, I mean, the last day we finished filming, it was sort of like a free-for-all. And, and <laughs> everybody was, you know, and everybody, they were really cool about saying, if you see something you want, you're welcome to take it. And I think probably... My prize possession would have to be, and it's in my attic, is the old Hickory Huskers sign. It's a pretty big sign. It's shown, I think, in our in all of our home gym scenes. Uh, it's probably, I'd say, eight feet long. There's two of them. One says Hickory, one says Huskers, and it's the gold and maroon colors that are up in our gym during filming. And I kept those, and I don't think I'd part with those. I hard to tell what I could get for them, but if if you see them, they're pretty recognizable. There, you see them throughout the film, and I that was the one that I snatched up, and I'm glad I got. It. But that's up in my attic, so I don't know what I'll do with that one day. I'll probably hand it off to my kids, or maybe let the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame have it. They've got my jersey, so I I, I wouldn't want it to just sit and waste away. So that might be what I end up doing. I tell you, I, I say to hell with my homeowners association. Just send it on to me. I'll go ahead and put it on the outside of the house. No, I'm, I'm I like that. Yeah, I, I could test those waters, see if, see if they keep me in the neighborhood by doing that. That's funny. I hadn't thought about that. Hickory, Hickory Husker cap, team captain, Buddy Walker, Brad Long, thank you so much for taking some, day out of, taking some time out of your Labor Day to help keep the nostalgia alive and chat about the movie Hoosiers. It's been fantastic, and I know everybody is going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. 
My pleasure, Billy. I enjoyed it. And good luck to you and your program. And if you need anything, give me a holler.